Hey there, welcome to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women that I've met along my journey and continue to meet. Through amazing interviews, I seek to ask insightful questions to uncover ways in which you, the listener, can apply the wisdom and knowledge to your own life. I believe that we're all in this together, so sharing healing and joy and bringing community together is both my passion and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about the Mystical Sisterhood community I'm building, please visit www.mysticalsisterhood.com. See you in the episode. Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. And today I'm here with Julie Reinard. She is the founder of a business called Writing for All Seasons. And I was lucky enough to meet Julie two years ago um, through our beloved teacher, Susie Lula, in a group she had called Permission to Thrive. And I sit here with Julie two years later so much has happened in between that time and now, and we're here to talk about a lot of what's been in creation for Julie. I really wanted to have her on the podcast today because to me, she's an innovator and sort of an um, a person who is going to bring out the creativity and the spark and the possible writing skills for her clients. Um, to lead them to, I believe, a really full expression of themselves, um, no matter what she is helping them with, whether it's website copy or going in to do any sort of copy for anything that you might be putting out there. Um, I know ebooks, whether it's email sequences or sitting with her clients in writing circles. So I want to dive in, first of all, saying thank you to Julie for being here with us today. Thank you very much, Maureen, for having me here. I'm excited. Yeah, I love it. Because I think that um, this idea of you being a writer and really leading a business around writing and really what I see as creativity is something that a lot of people are looking for, but it's also a topic that I haven't yet talked about on the podcast. And like I said, it's how our voices come through. It, it, it lends to the fullest expression of who we are. And um, I know you blend a lot of your life experiences, your work experiences, your, your own sitting in soul care coaching with me to inform what you're offering to the world. So that being said, um, how did you get started in what you're doing now? If I know that's not a simple answer, but yeah. anywhere you want to start. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I've been, I've been on quite a long journey professionally. And um, I, I like to think of myself first and foremost as an empath. Mm. And I'm also a listener and I'm a, a crafter of questions. And, and then after that, I would say I'm a writer and a facilitator and, you know, a community builder and a lifelong learner and all these things, mother and wife and coach. And, and, and the other, the other piece is that I am a curious soul. And I think that that has really led me to where I am today. I spent the first part of my professional life working in the nonprofit sector and was very much mission driven, driven by the, the ailments of society that I saw around me and my desire to go in and be of service to humanity. And, but I've always had this thread around the written word. And it was something that was kind of below the surface for a long time. And I, I remember as I was preparing for today, I was thinking about the fact that I grew up in this musical household, right? My mother was a professional, is a professional musician. And so in my household, music was the currency of creativity, right? And so it was interesting because growing up in a very supportive, loving home, um, I, I really didn't know how to access my own innate 
language for mm. creativity, which as it turns out is words. And so, and my parents, they just didn't know how to kind of unlock this creative spirit within me. It, it needed to be through words. And I just didn't have any role models when I was growing up. And I remember um, I had this, this kind of peculiar habit of listening very acutely to syllables and sentences. And so whenever someone would speak to me, I, I would internalize, okay, that was three syllables, that was five, was it even, was it odd? I kind of had this just as an internalized mechanism and I just thought it was some like weirdo thing. And, um, and I was also obsessed with typewriters. Remember the old school typewriters? We had one of those when I was really, really young. And even before I knew how to read, I would just go and I would watch the way the letters would go onto the piece of paper. Wow. That was that little <laughs> spiral. And, and, but I didn't really think anything of it. And like I said, you know, my mom was a musician. She has perfect pitch and it just seemed like the world of music came naturally to her. So it felt to me growing up, like that was the outlet for creativity for me. So I played the piano and I sang in choirs and, you know, listened to music. Um, but, and then when I got to college, I really struggled with with music. And I felt like I shut down to my creative spirit at that time because I didn't do well in some of the, the courses and I turned away from it as a major. And so I, I just really, and, and, and I, I did turn towards literature in college. I studied comparative literature, but I, I felt like it was this dry academic pursuit. And much of the literature that I read was white male dominated. Well, you know, some of it was hundreds of years old, and I found absolutely no resonance in the things that I was reading and writing about. And so after college, I went towards this nonprofit world, and um, I did take one writing class, and it it really it brought something alive in me, but I didn't really know what to do with it at that time. So I, I just used writing a lot in my nonprofit work, did a lot of grant writing, a lot of marketing and communication stuff. And then when the pandemic hit, I got to this point where I felt like I could not take it anymore. That's the only way I could think of it is that my little spirit was, was dying while I was doing this work. And I, I had this image, um, I can't remember, somewhere around the beginning of the pandemic of this little Julie that was sitting inside of my body and this little Julie was saying, I am a soul and I want to be expressed. And I, I had this vision of my hands upward, outward, and then my feet were out kicking. And I said, I am going to keep pushing <laughs> outward in this body until I can have a chance to be expressed. And so that was kind of the beginning of me recognizing that I was more than all the things that I had done with my career to that point. And so I gave myself permission to go into this kind of dark journey where I had no idea where I was going, you know, did a lot of work with Susie Lula and discovered that there was just this, this very subtle thread that related to words. And I, I didn't really even have a vision of what it, what it could mean or where it could go but just kept cultivating it a little bit at a time. And it was about a year and a half ago that I finally had the clarity that I think I wanna build a business literally around the written word. Yeah. And so that was when I started writing for all seasons. And yeah. you know, since that time I've started doing a variety of, of writing projects, but at the core, it's really about creativity, right? And mm -hmm. sharing my own, um, need for creative expression with other people and, and infusing the environments with um, inspiration for them to do the same. Yeah. I really hear you saying too, that you, you grew up in a certain kind of household that was that kind of valued one thing highly. 
and that you can, I love the retracing back to your youth, like, oh my gosh, I used to listen in a certain way. And that, yeah, you put up on yourself, gosh, I must've been sort of strange, but it was actually information that was coming to you about what your unique gifts were. I think I, um, and thank you for sharing the story of your evolution and of how, you know, I think sometimes like when we're even in the college system, when we are finding out that, oh, the first thing that I chose, which is so understandable, isn't for me. And then we go to figure out what's next. We might have inklings of what it is, but it's still not the best fit for us, but we go forward in it. And it sounds like through your nonprofit journey, you were using your skills, but they weren't in the ways that were calling on that soul level to really come through you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say the big piece of it was around the the creativity. Cause when I think back to, you know, my education, I, there was nothing about creative writing or anything really with creativity. And then even in college, same thing. And, um, Oh, I was going to mention that, yeah, in college, I did have one professor who was very, very creative in the way she interacted with the materials and with the students. And she she did, you know, modern Latin American literature or something. And she really was interested in women writers. And she started this kind of anthology every quarter. She would have the students write poems that were in the style of some of the authors that we were reading. And so I, you know, had to submit something. I didn't choose to, it was part of the assignment. (laughs) Um, But I just remember that was the only time that my unique voice was invited into the classroom. Mm -hmm. Literally, I can't remember another time. And I'm I'm sorry if, you know, if I'm missing my memory on that. But, (laughs) but, and I remember that I went to the professor's office hours one day and I, I showed her this thing that I had written. It was in the style of Pablo Neruda and it was called Ola on Mapa. It was Ode to the Map. And um, and and she, I just remember she she looked at, she, re, she read it, she set it down. Then she pulled her little glasses down and she looked at me and she said, sabes que tu tienes un talento. So she said, you know what, Julie, you you have a gift. And at that time, I couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even integrate what word she was saying to me because I don't think that my spirit was ready at that time to believe in the power of my own words. So anyway, yeah. so then fast forward to doing my nonprofit work equally, I did not feel that creativity had a, a place in the ways that I needed. And right. so, mm-hmm. you know, when I had that clarity that it was time to to move on or kind of reshuffle and refocus it was it felt really good because I was creating space for this other part of me that really needed to grow yeah and when those parts are calling from within sometimes they start getting louder and louder I think that you make a good point though with your professor and how you weren't ready to hear it because I also think that when even if we have ideas or we're getting information about what's coming from within us. If we weren't as children fostered to believe that for whatever reason for you, that that was possible or that was a gift or a strength of yours, then it feels like that knowing, not that that part of us dies off, but almost like that knowing that there is this part of us that exists, that's real. And yes, to take it with like seriousness. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and in the case of my family, it's not that they wouldn't have loved to support that. They just literally, they had no idea how to. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What we don't know. So (laughs) I love that just everything. And even what you said before about, you know, maybe there would have been more of a spark if you would have had more female writers uh, brought to you or sort of a wider range of voices and messages. And so I have a feeling that that's part of what you recreate as well for your clients and students coming through. So again, information you got a long time ago that's useful to you now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I think that... um, 
I just love something you had on your website, just because I think it's um, the ways in which we choose things when we are younger, but you had just, it's what we're talking about, but you put, I spent the first part of my professional life fighting to keep up with social convention, believing external success would create happiness. And you go on to talk about your gifts. Um, but uh, or I guess you said deep down, I know writing was my gift. And I think the things that jump out at me is our un, like subconscious need to just do what social convention is telling us. And that belief that on the external will create the happiness for us. So we're not really taught when we're younger to look to the inside gifts and riches to inform where we're going. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, a backwards thing. And, and I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to now kind of reverse engineer, you know, my relationship to joy now in this mm. second portion of my life, it's mm -hmm. been so, so rich and so meaningful um, because as I was thinking about it, you know, I, I could feel resentful that I didn't get to discover this until I'm, you know, 40 something years old. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, this is this is a great time. I feel more awake and more alive than ever before. And I can appreciate these gifts within myself that I'm learning to recognize and celebrate. Yeah. What a good point, because mm -hmm. you're doing the formation of your business and bringing your gifts out into the world alongside doing a lot of deep inner work yeah yes. through the through the avenue of soul care and that really allows you to go inward and kind of discern um what's what's not yours any longer what's because can you talk about some of those almost spiritual qualities or lessons around um I guess like what's important to you as you create sort of a I don't want to call it modern business, but a, a business of this age. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the, the most important qualities to you, well, I actually have, I have three C's that I kind of use in my mind often. And the first one, which we've already talked about a little bit is creativity mm -hmm. and then connection and community. Um, because I find that those, those are the pillars that really drive me intrinsically forward. And, um, and then the other pieces are, you know, safety and deep listening have always been so, so important to me. And there are times when I'm having a conversation with my husband and he'll say, you know, Julie, I, I actually heard you the first time that you said that, but the tone in your voice suggests that maybe you think I'm not listening to you. <laughs> and so that's, that's happened a number of times through our, our relationship. And I realized that, yeah, there's some, there's some part of me that didn't feel like an essential um, aspect of my essence was, was heard somehow somewhere along the road. And so that is a big driver for me now is that when I sit down with my clients, I really am deeply interested in hearing their point of view and not imposing my own, you know, perspectives or projections about what they might be trying to say. And that's a lifelong practice. And I find myself, you know, just with a client a couple of weeks ago, I wrote something and afterwards I realized, oh, that was, that was a projection that that wasn't what she was really trying to mm -hmm. say. And so I was able to go back to her and say, you know, I have a feeling that that this thing that I just wrote for you maybe doesn't reflect where you're coming from. And, and I was very grateful that she was honest and said, yes, you're right. Let's try mm -hmm. it from this angle instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it made for a much better, you know, end result. So. Well, and there's no, it's like to have that integrity to say, Hey, you know, I can own my own projection. I mean, that's not yeah. usually in business, uh, sort of older, older businesses we knew, I wouldn't think that that would be a part of it. So just that feels like such transparency to me, but I love that you are so intentionally setting a values driven business. Like these are my yeah. three C's. 
And then that kind of safety and the deep listening. So, so important because also anytime I think we're working with anyone, whether it's, you know, my coaching or the writing coaching you do or helping people, they have to feel safe with us because we know so many times you're working with, I know you do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and women who are recreating themselves Mm -hmm. and There's a lot of, I think before we started recording today, we were using the word courage or courageous. Mm -hmm. And these things do take a lot of courage. So we want to be with somebody who really honors and respects this idea of safety and that, and that, um, you know, go as far, share as much as you want to, but if it feels not safe enough yet, you will stop there. But can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, well, I would just say that in my experience, when I successfully create a safe container, and I guess container might be my fourth C if I were to put another one, um, because I believe that creating the right simple containers for people also helps them feel safe. Mm -hmm. And in my writing circles, that is what I do. Um, And so I was going to say that with this idea of the right containers, then people actually are able to witness themselves in the most beautiful way because they feel like it has the right parameters for them to be okay, no matter what happens. And so, and I usually err on the side of fewer words rather than more words when I'm working with them because of this idea of me not wanting to impose something on them. So that's, that's a a big one. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, I think so. And what I hear from you too, because I know you personally, but this idea of when we know we're going to work with somebody, whatever they're helping us do, it's, it's so good to know that they're, they're an introspective, they're doing some inner work because when we're talking about safety and I think about you, just the presence you bring creates safety. It creates the safe container. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious about, um, I know that I'm thinking maybe you didn't know it was going to be something you love, loved so much, but you are now holding writing circles and that's feeling really abundant to you. What do those look like? And what do you kind of see with your clients and just what comes up from them in terms of like their I don't know, willingness, creativity, or just even what emerges for them in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I started doing these writing circles last year and I didn't actually start doing them because I had the impulse to do them. It was someone else saying, Julie, you should really do these. And I sat with it for a good month before I said, okay, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to give it a shot. And because I, at that time felt, I kind of had the imposter syndrome. I thought, who am I, how am I qualified to do this? But I I took the risk and I started this circle. And what I have discovered is that again, this idea of the container that these women needed a safe container and they needed an invitation for them to let their playful side come out, to invite their creativity to the table, to step into their imagination. Because so many of us, we do not use our imagination anymore. And even, you know, as a child, I know that I did. And when I had my own children, and I, you know, who are now nine and 12 years old, I think I was so scared and nervous about being a good mother, that I did not give myself permission to go into imagination really with them that many times. And now they're, they're getting a little bit older and they have different ways of engaging with their imagination. But so this was this gift that I brought to this circle. And, you know, a lot of the women maybe had a writing practice sporadically, um, but there was something about this weekly gathering where we had this demarcated time and space for them to bring this energy out that I think was really liberating. Mm -hmm. And I am very, very committed to non-hierarchical practices. 
And I've always gravitated towards organizational structures that are not hierarchical or patriarchal. And so this idea of a circle was very, very appealing to me. And so we all write together and we all share our shitty drafts together. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do know. (laughs) And, And so, but I've just been surprised and so delighted by the amount of satisfaction that these women get from having an opportunity for their voice to be heard. Because it's really about, we don't just write to write, right? In my mind, we write to heal, we write to release, we write to express, we write to uplift, and we write to affirm all of these things. And so these, and and I've had these women who come to me, there's one woman who, who did a workshop with me this past month, who I had not been in communication with since 2005. And I had worked with her at this nonprofit And we just happened to be friends on Facebook and she started kind of watching me and reading the things that I was posting. And she came to me and she said, I'm absolutely terrified, but I, there's just something in me that's saying, please write. And so um, I'm hoping that I will feel okay being in this space with you. And I said, oh my gosh, absolutely. And so she came And she wrote the most beautiful thing about her own journey as a mother. Wow. That it just moved all of us to tears. And, you know, these gatherings are just, they're a couple hours. And really, we're doing maybe 30 minutes of focused writing. But the things that can be produced when we create a sacred space for our words to be honored, it's incredible. (laughs) And yeah. so I just, I just love it. It, it is the writing circles have actually filled me up probably more than anything else I've done professionally in, in a decade or more, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. just the coming together of these women who are all equally committed to being vulnerable and honest about their own experiences. Yeah. And it's an invitation. I love the way that you're making the invitation and, um, it's an invitation to, like you're saying, tap into the creativity, the play, you're saying the imagination, because because of current day life, we've been drawn away from it. But I know when I did one circle with you, I also was going in with a really limiting story that I wasn't a writer and I was still trying to heal or still in the midst of healing and probably still am although I'm adopting a new story, my old story was that I'm not creative Mm -hmm. because when I grew up, I wasn't a good artist. I don't remember being a particularly good writer, but I think like when we were little art class, we didn't have, I mean, we had writing classes through English, but like the special classes you had like art or music, those were all drawing or painting or this. So it was really embedded in me that I wasn't creative. And I seriously thought I didn't have a creative bone in my body. I was more sporty. I was, but forget it. Now I know that's not true. And everybody has the creativity within them. But if you encountered uh, another version of me walking in (laughs) more than once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I was gonna also add that not only fostering creativity and the imagination, but for me, a cornerstone of the work that I do is that the only rule is that there are no rules. Because I think that I was very constrained by thinking that writing was about, did I put the period in the right place? And does a comma belong here? And is this a dangling participle or this or that or the other thing? Well, in my work that I do with women now, I am very explicit about the fact that none of that matters and that I want to use language as a tool of liberation for people. And so we just step right outside of any, you know, grammar rules because what we want to express, it has to come straight from our core Mm -hmm. and, and punctuation does not matter in that realm. I love it. And uh, um, it makes me think of too, that, you know, in the, in my coaching, I do a lot of 
work around understanding emotions and, and releasing suppressed emotions, but that it seems like it's the first dawning I have of this idea that when we express ourselves through writing, it can be a modality to release and heal. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the primary ways that I use it in my own life, at least. I think I talk on the website about, you know, yeah. writing as a, as a healing art. Oh, that's um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I really liked, I didn't get to do your class on just talk a little bit because I think it's still really, um, could be impactful. I don't know where it's going, but when you did the class that you offered writing after the pandemic and kind of what was that all about? And it just, I really liked the title and couldn't make it, but man, is that an, an intriguing topic? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, it moves me to tears. What happened in that space? Because there were people who had experienced tremendous loss and, um, and, and a couple of them said, I have not had an opportunity to process this at all until right now. And, you know, I, I always offer a couple of different writing prompts. We have a theme with the workshops that I do. And then I offer different ways for them to engage with the topic so that they don't feel stuck with just one, one option for how to do it. And uh, one of the women, she had actually lost her father to COVID. And um, she's a very, you know, upstanding professional kind of mover and shaker type of person. And I have a feeling that it's something that she had said, okay, this is a thing that happened and now I've got to move on and we're all suffering. And so she was able to write you know, her story. And she said that she was able to gain some new perspective on that experience. And then on the flip side, there was another woman who had, um, her son had lost his father during COVID, but not to COVID. Okay. It was a non-COVID thing. And so it was a very interesting dynamic to have people with different experiences coexisting in that same workshop and to create space for them to get what they needed out of it. Because there were, there were some people who found COVID to be such a blissful experience that, you know, we finally got to slow down and we got to, you know, stop overdoing. And then there was somebody else over here who was saying, yeah, but this was my experience. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I was really grateful to have a chance to hear these people's stories and to hold them tenderly mm -hmm. because it, I know it was not an easy exercise. And one of the people said, I, I did not want to sign up for this because I knew how hard it was going to be, yeah. but yeah. ultimately she was glad that she did because yeah. it did give her some release. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's, that's just one example. And yeah, I like to do these thematic workshops uh, because it brings people together around this shared theme experiences. Yes. And you'll draw whoever is meant to be in that space. Yeah. Exactly. Seeking out that, that expression through that, yeah. whatever you title it or put that intention. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I always there... offer, one of the things I love to do is to curate the readings. And so I, oh, yeah. I pull in poetry and other, you know, writings from wisdom teachers to kind of get people in the right frame of mind. And, and that's a lot of fun for me because I love like that. Treasure I, hunt. I love that, that you offer that. And if you, I didn't know if you had something that you wanted to share today in terms of, um, I know you're super inspired by poets and wisdom teachers and just anyone who shares this also love and expression of words with you. So mm -hmm. if there's something you, you want to share today, we're all ears. Sure. Yeah, I like to I like to write short stories and then when my muse comes to visit me, then poetry also comes through. <laughs> <laughs> so I can share, trying to decide which one is the right one for this moment. I think 
I want to share a poem that I wrote. It was during the pandemic. Mm. And it was at a time when my family was very much on top of me all the time. (laughs) And um, it just so happened that there was this evening where there was nobody in the house except me. And this this was what came through. Home Alone. And in a surprising twist of fate, there is space. Gratitude emptiness, a chasm turned presence, an inner knowing that stillness is repair. Settling into my body, the lull yet luxuriates, suddenly capacious. My breath slows as I attune to this silence that envelops me. Thick like molasses, sweet like sugar, luscious and slow. It's beautiful. I feel like I can feel that evening when you were all by yourself. It's so beautiful, Julie. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, And this idea of stillness is such an important part of my own kind of recovery process and my healing process, because I think like so many women, I had been conditioned to believe that I constantly had to be in a doing state in order to derive value and and Mm -hmm. be of worth to the world. And so, so much of the work that I do in general, but with writing in particular is it's about giving myself the permission to be slow, to be spacious, to just take my time so that I can get into more of an observational state because that's what fuels my creativity is really to give myself that space. I love that. Um, And also thinking about anyone listening and, you know, I was thinking about ways in which you would recommend people tap into that creativity, imagination, play, whatever they call it, but maybe starting with that one right there Mm -hmm. about how did that, how did that begin for you that you, was it COVID or just, even if it wasn't COVID per se, but Mm -hmm. a permission you gave yourself, but like I think we also, when we're moving from our old state of doing all the time, it's not like it all happens at once. And we just are, right. oh, this slow being who's meditating. It doesn't work that way. Right, right. But what would you say to if to, to women or our listeners t- to start to claim to create the spaciousness? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember... I do remember a specific moment during COVID when I actually read a novel for the first time in many, many years, because I I literally had stopped reading. And part of it was the exhaustion of early parenthood. And I could never seem to find a moment where I could be awake enough to read a book without falling asleep. And, uh, and I just remember reading it and uh, my, my, kids happened to be out of the house and I was sitting in this comfy red chair that I have and it was like several hours that I was reading and it was it was a pivot and then right after that was when I wrote my first poem actually and so Mm -hmm. I think there's something about the conditions are so important right more than the act itself and I had gotten to a point where I was able to say, Julie, you are valuable enough to do this thing that will bring you joy, which was reading a book. And reading that book inspired me to look within my own self um, for kind of my my fountain of inspiration, I guess. And, and, you know, I've done, last year I did this Facebook challenge where I think for 60 days in a row, I posted something of my writing. And that's because I had gotten to a point where I felt like I just needed, I needed the words to go beyond my little brain. Mm -hmm. It was time. 
Right. And I, I've also done a lot with, you know, Julie, a lot of people have heard of Julia Cameron and um, the artist way. And she has a practice that she suggests for everyone called the morning pages. And so I do, you know, three pages handwritten every morning of just total stream of consciousness writing. And that's been a big one for me because when I, when I first started doing it, I still had an outcome orientation to the writing. And so mm -hmm. I had an expectation that when I finished my three pages, there would be something of value in what I had written that I would want to share with somebody else or continue developing. But in my most recent iteration of doing morning pages, I have completely let go of that. I said, okay, the morning time is just about me getting it out on the page. It could be vomit, it could be crap, it could be, you know, repetition, whatever it is, but I don't have any expectation about where that leads me. And then in other parts of my day, sure, I will try to do something that's a little bit more outcome oriented, but there's something about giving myself permission to just see me directly first thing in the morning. That is so empowering. And then I'm able to work through all these tangles, right? Because we wake up you know, sometimes with these stories that have gotten all out of perspective, and then I'm able to write my way back into perspective and connection with myself. Uh, yes. I love, so. I love both of those shares about, um, the first permission to know that you were worthy enough to carve out that space, that time, um, that your worthiness is not only attached to your doing and your output and your outcome and what you have to show for it, but it could just be in the being because reading is really being if yeah. it's not an outcome tied to like a cl class paper or something you have to hand right. <laughs> or, yeah. or be tested on. Right. Yeah. Which is a whole nother problem, but um <laughs> We would talk, but then also just how you're saying developing, I that's, those are great suggestions for mourning and letting go, releasing the attachment to the outcome. And, um, it sounds like a lot of ease and flow, like there's more yeah. ease and flow. And it's also like, even when I use that word baby steps before it's, I think it's so important for us to realize that start somewhere. And yes. yeah, I'm, yeah. I would imagine I haven't done morning pages. I've heard about that for a long time, but that just the sitting in the intention to create or do you, do you use intentions in your work as well? Yeah. And especially in working with my clients before I sit down uh, to start a writing project, I set an intention for that specific client, like not when I'm talking to them, but when I'm writing their stuff. And so I, I visualize either the individual that I'm working with or the mission of the organization or whatever it is. And I try to connect to that highest good for mm -hmm. them and, and what they seek to communicate to the world so that I can not be a vessel I, for lack of a better word, but that's really what I want to do is to tap into that consciousness on their behalf. Beautiful. Yeah. And when you're talking, I'm thinking, do you also like as even a um, something that we would share for tapping into creativity is I always think about those intuitive hits. Mm -hmm. And so do you have a way that you keep track of what comes to you? Because I think um, sometimes you could be doing the dishes or something, maybe taking a, you know, you have a dog, like a walk with your dog and like, mm -hmm. you've got that flash and it's yeah. something, it's something yeah. Yeah. for us to pay attention to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, I put it in my notes, you know, I just jot down or sometimes mm -hmm. I'll dictate to myself or something like that yeah. just to kind of make sure that I don't lose it entirely. But I was going to, um, speak to something you said earlier about, the small things, you know, the turtle steps. And another big thing that has really been helpful to me is I have this new love affair with the public library. And I have found that when I give myself permission to follow that one thread, like, you know, I've discovered Mark Nepo, I've discovered incredible poets like Ada Limon and David White and all these. And so each time I discover a person, 
I give myself permission to drop more deeply into that and what it is they're communicating. And then it, it takes me on this journey because then discovering Mark Nepo, you know, showed me John O'Donohue. And there's, it, it, again, this is tied to the worthiness that I am worthy of having my world expand and discover these other incredible human beings just by nature of who I am. I don't, I don't have to be doing anything to discover this incredible resonance that I have with these other writers. And that yeah. helps me step into more of who I am and who I want to become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really hearing you say that. And just, I love the word you just used your hands. We can't, the listeners can't see you, but just of just opening up into that expansive. And when you know, you, you call your business, you call yourself a heart-centered entrepreneur or a heart-centered business. And when we create these businesses um, from our soul, from our center, they nourish not only us, but I feel like we can exponentially nourish who comes to us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's yes. really cool. Exactly. Um, you know, as we kind of go towards the end of our, end of our conversation, conversation today. Um, do you want to touch base on just other types of work that you do and services you provide for your clients? Sure. Yeah. I, right now I do a whole bunch of different writing and facilitation projects. And, um, you know, I had mentioned the writing circles and that being the thing that really feels the juiciest for me right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I want to build that community more because of the benefits that I've seen to other women and the ways that it opens them up. Uh, and then I would also say that I'm kind of a creative sounding board. You know, I talk about being really interested in deep listening and so when I work with my clients, I really try to be a mirror to help them see the parts of themselves that might feel otherwise invisible or like they're remaining in the shadows. Um, and so I, I try to help anchor them so that they can see that and feel confident to go out into the world in a more embodied way, I guess, when they're communicating the work that they're doing. And you know, facilitation is another thing that I do. I, you know, having been in the nonprofit sector for over two decades, I have a lot of experience with that. And so I'm kind of experimenting with how I weave in the writing and facilitation and kind of the organizational work, because I find that a lot of nonprofits would benefit from this more embodied way of working, yeah. right? Because we get so stuck in our heads and we think, oh my gosh, our, we have to save the world because the world is falling apart. But when we kind of take a second to drop down into what it is that we're really trying to accomplish and how our full presence can, can be of value to the missions that we're, that we're meeting. Um, so that, and then, you know, writing, coaching, and then any kind of copy stuff I, mm -hmm. I can do, you know, websites, email series, blogs, I'm working with some clients on different blogs Beautiful. and mm -hmm. kind of the sky is the limit in, in terms of that. Yeah. I think that I can speak from my own experience working with you that I think the work that you're doing now is so needed across so many different professions because we are just humanity in general is being called to show up in a different way. And to full, I always hear too, people want to hear our stories and where we came from and what um, we have to share, because there's going to be people that resonate with just me per se, or just you. And there's no, you know, no one's in competition with the next person. And it's just about what's your unique voice that's calling to come forward or even with an entity like a nonprofit like what is their unique voice that's you know the the perfect alchemy of people come together to form a nonprofit and it's like what do their collective voices have to say so i really yeah. think and i want to say too that you help me with my podcast intro and outro and just really creative ways of using someone who can pull forth our authentic voice and and let us be seen in our fullness. I love that yeah. you use the word wholeness when we started 
And it's, I, it's so true. And so I, I can personally speak for your work and just the soulful, soulful person you are to just engage with and work with. It's just such a beautiful experience. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank yeah. You. Um, so before we finish up, I always ask, where can our listeners find you, Julie? And do you have anything that might be coming up in the near future that you'd want to share or where they, they, where they can reference back. And before you share that, I highly recommend, you know, when Julie shares her social Instagram or Facebook handle, if you go back and read the writings that you did in that Facebook challenge, whatever time you have for the listener to read one or two or three, they will blow you away the writing, the level of writing, what the, your heart and your essence and everything coming through is so gorgeous. So highly recommend that, but uh, where can they find you? Thank you. Yeah. So they can find me on my website, which is julierinerd.com. And I'm also on Facebook primarily. And in the future, I will probably be on Instagram and LinkedIn, but right now Facebook is the best place to find me. And I do have, uh, I call it a writing uh, circle workshop sampler. It's a, a free offering that's coming up on Friday, April 14th, and that's at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And if you are interested, you can email me and I can get you registered. You can also find information about that on my website. Okay. So. I love it. Yeah. Um, thank you. And I'll put all of our resources in the show notes, but thank you, Julie, so much for being here today. Thank you very much for having me on. I enjoyed the opportunity to talk more about this work. It, it will carry me through the rest of the day and into the coming <laughs> week. I love it because I think the work too is I love talking to people who are just so intentional, intentional, not only about the business they run, but the life they lead. And I think the life you lead and the choices you make and your integrity and your intentionality and everything it carries, it carries everything that you do. So that's why I am so inspired, but I want to thank the listeners today. And if you like what you heard, please share this interview. If you have anyone in your circles that are interested in writing or need any sort of support around what Julie offers, please share. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please visit Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a review and share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching programs or join the Mystical Sisterhood membership, visit maureenspielman.com or mysticalsisterhood.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode.